This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi, hi from California. Hi from New York City, Mom. Well, we have got a great show today. And, you know, we had uh, Dr. Dale Larson on on our TV show, and we did a show on traumatic loss that you really need to take a look at. It's an excellent show. And Rada Stern was on our show, and Rada's uh, son was murdered, and she goes to San Quentin and works with prisoners helping to kind of look at empathy and let them know the impact of the events that have happened around her son's death. So it, it was a great show, and Dale Larson, who's going to be on the show today, had wonderful advice, so we hope you'll look at that show. Our show, Grief Relief, is seen in Manhattan and the Burroughs on Sunday night at 9 o'clock, every Sunday, 9 p.m., so you can take a look at our shows there. And for the specific shows, like Traumatic Loss, you can go on our website at opentohope.com, and we have all those shows listed on the website, so you can take a look at them. But he was a great guest on that show, wasn't he, Hyde? He is. I'm excited to have Dale Larson on today, and I'll introduce him in, in a minute, but I just want to say something. I meet a lot of smart people. Because I have them come into my class and speak at Columbia all the time. And I've got to tell you, Mom, Dr. Dale Larson is one of the smartest people I have ever met. He is a wealth of information about this field. And he's got a wealth of information about all the research. And it's just so interesting to hear him speak because he really has his pulse on what's going on in the field of grief and loss and what kind of research is being done, etc., and he can also talk to people in a way that they can hear it, which is very good. And we will be talking today about grief, loss, and trauma with him. All right. So do you want me to introduce him? Go ahead. Okay. So Dr. Dale Larson is a professor in the Department of Counseling Psychology at Santa Clara University. He is a clinician and researcher and a national leader in end-of-life care and training. His award-winning book, The Helper's Journey, Working with People Facing Grief, Loss, and Life-Threatening Illness, conveys the inspiring vision of caregiving. Welcome to the show, Dale. Oh, thank you, Heidi and Gloria. It's really a pleasure to be with you again. Oh, it's great having you on, Dale. And since we last saw you, you've been to Australia presenting. That must have been exciting. Did you wear one of those green swim caps and go swimming? <laughs> you, you had to wear a, a stinger suit to, to protect yourself from the jellyfish, actually. Oh, is that right? Uh, in wow. Queensland. But I, I did the keynote at the Australian Psychology Society meeting, but it was really interesting to learn about end-of-life care. And I went to the Australian Grief Center, where Chris Hall has a great operation going on, providing care for people there in Victoria, and um, just had a wonderful time overall. Ah, that's great. And I and I heard you got a standing ovation. Is that what you were going to say, Heidi? I was going to say that, yes. <laughs> okay. I know it was well received. <laughs> All right. So, Dale, I was curious, how did you get in the field of grief and loss? Oh, well, that's always a complex question, I think. How do we find our, our way to what, what we do with the, in, our, in our lives, with our careers? And I was uh, bereaved as a five-year-old. My brother died when I was five, and I... I I never really thought about that until much later in my career when I was lecturing about help the sibs grieve, help the sibs grieve, which I'm sure Heidi can relate to. And um, I, um, uh, someone in the audience said, well, Dale, 
Do you think maybe this has something to do with the way you're you're talking about this, your own losses? Because I had at one point mentioned that my brother had died, and I never really thought about it. But it wasn't an area that I was really specializing in, but I always mm-hmm. found it to be an important message. And I realized I was talking to myself, and maybe, you know, that's what really made me tuned in. And I think our losses uh, really do deepen our empathy. And for many people in end-of-life arena, their helping journeys were launched by a loss, by an awareness of a need that wasn't being met. And so I think that, you know, we're in a way, we're wounded healers in a positive sense in that our wounds have deepened our empathy and uh, have provided kind of a, a guiding force in our careers and our helping journey. So that's how I can think about it, honestly. But of course, it was the times. I was at the University of Chicago and looked into the seminar room where Kubler Ross was teaching seminars before her 1969 landmark book came out. And it was in the air and hospice was taking off. So I was also part of the social movement that you know, was taking place. Right. Yeah. Well, I always think, too, that uh, some people can go that deep. You know, there's a place that you go to after you've had that kind of a loss that, I don't know, I don't want to say it's comfortable, but you're able to do it without too much trauma. Do you know what I mean? You know it's okay that people are not going to die when they have this kind of a loss, even that kind of a grief, that they will be able to get through it, and they will be able to find meaning again. And, and you know, you just know that that can happen instinctively. I think that makes real sense to me, and I think that's the open to hope kind of foundational concept, isn't it, that that you can provide some hope, because uh, we have to find hope. We have to find a way to live in a world in which loss is inescapable. It's not always easy, but when when you've done that, then you know it can be done. You have a sense of efficacy about it, and we know that you can go through this, that there is a way through despair, but it's not an easy journey always. Mm-hmm. So Heidi, did you want to make a comment too? Oh, I just wanted to say that, you know, it, sometimes we don't realize how our own experiences do, you know, you know, change who we are and how we work. But I remember when we first started the 9-11, you know, the, you know, project where we worked with 9-11 families for 10 years, and we had to do home visits. And I'll never forget the first time we ever went in, our treatment team sat in a circle at Columbia University, and a lot of people were very anxious about what would we find when we went into these homes and how would these people be acting and what would people be doing. And I had no anxiety. And I realized it was because I had already, I already knew what a grieving family looked like because I had experienced that personally mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. Scott died. So that anxiety wasn't there. I understood what it, you know, what it felt like and I was okay with whatever we did go into. And it was just interesting mm. how sometimes our own experiences do change how we work, and we don't even realize it. So I think it's fascinating that Dale, as a five-year-old, was a brief sibling, and I didn't know this until then. Very, very mm-hmm. interesting. Thank you for sharing that with us, Dale. Yeah, it was interesting that uh, when I was a child, my parents never talked about the loss of my brother. My father never mentioned my brother's name again until his death, uh, to mm-hmm. me at least. So, you know, it's interesting how families cope with it. But, yeah, I think we don't want to, you know, I don't want to reduce it to uh, exposure. I think it's it's something, you know, that we, because we've been exposed, we're desensitized. I don't think it's about desensitization no. at all, really. It's, it's about understanding and, um, and, and having a little bit of acquired bravery, if you will, maybe acquired resilience. You know, the, the, you do, the research shows that, in fact, when people endure, 
lots of stressful situations, they do become in different ways often more resilient. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not always a damaging experience at all. You you learn how to deal with these difficult situations. And if you think about the rest of life, that's true. If you're taking difficult courses all the time, you learn how to deal with difficult courses in school. <laughs> right. You learn you learn you learn how to deal with with travail and with you know and and uh, this is different, but and more powerful. But it's still it's somewhat the same thing. Absolutely, Dr. Dale, and we had an amazing show for anyone out there that wants to know more about post-traumatic growth after loss. We had Dr. Tedeschi come in and uh, come onto our show and speak. He's from the University of North Carolina. You can go on our show, our site and listen to his show or just Google him and you will find out so much stuff about how people change profoundly after loss. And like Dr. Dale said, it, there's positive things that come out of it. More empathy, more compassion. Uh, some ability to handle adversity because you have, etc. A deeper respect for life, yeah. Yeah, he is great. He's terrific. I want to see that show or hear that show. Well, Dale, I wanted to get uh, to your book on the helper's journey because it is a book for um, working with people facing grief, loss, and life-threatening illnesses. It's kind of for the, uh, for the professional. So if you're working in this field, you definitely want to get it. It's a terrific book. But I just found some little nuggets in there that I wanted to bring out for our audience today who's out there because we are helping people also. If you've had a loss, say when my son Scott was killed, I had three other kids and a husband, and I happened to be a therapist, and weirdly enough, in the area of grief and loss. So... Um, I, I was reading this and I was thinking of myself, wow, I could have used some of these points for myself. One of them being, you talk about if you're a caregiver, you need to have empathy for yourself. I think that is so, so true. Um, can you talk a little bit about empathy? Well, I think really what I was getting at is being tuned into yourself and not just suppressing all your feelings um, because they're they're difficult. I think we have to be friendly to these experiences in, in a in a sense that we have to be open, we have to you know accept where we're at, meet ourselves where we're at, just like we try to meet others who are helping where they're at in the moment. So there's a kind of a mindful uh, stance toward oneself that we need to have in order to stay connected with ourselves and and know what we need to do for ourselves. If if you're if you're blocking what you're experiencing, then you're not going to allow your emotional experiences to kind of tell you what you need to do. And I think, you know, we need to get grief working for us. So the dilemma for the bereaved family member who needs to be a caregiver also is you're, you're dealing with both at the same time, your own your own grief and the grief of those around you. And that can get a little complicated at times. And I think that's why very often, you know, we need to bring in some additional support and in the form of counseling or support groups. It takes a team to, you know, to really deal with some of these situations. And when Heidi was talking about the 9-11 situation, um, yeah, you needed an entire team to go into some of those very, very distraught families and provide, you know, the kind of support they needed because that was an epic uh, trauma. Well, and for us, for us, Dr. Dale, having the team prevented us from having burnout because my mom knows this because she was part of the team for a while. Well, after we would go into the, the homes, we would then get in the car. There would be a team, maybe about four of us per family, and we would be able to debrief. We'd be able to express ourselves. We'd be able to show emotion, cry, whatever we needed to do, support each other, 
on the ride back into the city, and that was really important for for us taking care of ourselves. No, this is just yeah. like my my fantasy of what I've always wanted to have with all all uh, helping professional teams. But unfortunately, too often, you know, people are the lone rangers. I did a uh, retreat with the Visiting Nurse Society hospice team, and I, I love them in New York City. They're just a phenomenal group, unbelievably dedicated caregivers and and nurses and social workers and clergy. Yeah, it was just phenomenal. And and uh, you know, the, uh, the reality is, you know, you're very often kind of by yourself making a home visit. Let me say, Dale, you are by yourself. I'm by myself out there right now, guys. Okay, so I need some help. I would, I don't have a team. Can you talk a little bit about compartmentalizing and setting limits? Because I think that that's something that people out in our audience can do. Well, I think we all, in the, in the help helping role uh, as a professional or volunteer, we need to set limits. We need to compartmentalize. You need to have a life away from being a caregiver. Okay, now wait a minute, Dale. Remember, I can't get a life away from it. I'm in it because I'm with my family. So I think in reading your book, I think that you can compartmentalize. We do compartmentalize. You have to. You go to work, you leave your family, and you go to the job. Mm -hmm. Then you come Mm -hmm. home to your family again. But, uh, you know, I think about taking some time out for yourself. And maybe listen to some music or whatever. Well, there's respite. Yeah, I think I think taking a break. Yeah, it applies across the board. Whether we're dealing with our own stress as a caregiver or we're dealing with our own journey through grief and loss, you know, you, you, we have to go back and forth between being in it and being in that intense emotional experience, and then also taking a break. And in the kind of model we have now, the dual process model of grieving, we have mm-hmm. loss and restoration. So you go back and forth between loss and restoration. You don't stay in one or the yeah. other. And restoration has a, built into it some of those breaks and the getting away from it. And I think it's hard for family members because you always feel guilty. Whenever you, you know, your loved one's suffering, if they're suffering, I have to suffer with them every single second. And it's really hard to even go to a movie or anything. And think about Alzheimer's caregivers. I mean, they are really stuck or hospice caregivers because it's a round the clock kind of uh, situation and they need respite. They need respite. And you know what we can do right now? We can give our audience permission to do that. They need to do it, don't they? Well, they do. I really believe they do. And it's it's hard to give oneself permission because you care so much. But you're, be- you're, you're going to bring more back to your loved one if you do it. That's the kind of the reality. You'll be more able to give if you give some to yourself. I mean, caregiving is all about finding a balance between uh, giving, caring for others and, and you know, a balance between giving to yourself and, and caring for others. And a lot of our audience has surviving children, so they really need to give to themselves so that they'll be able to continue to parent their surviving children. Absolutely. Heidi, can you mention family fun time too here? Give them permission to do that. Yes, and uh, we got this idea out of University of Arizona when we started the 9-11 study. And what it was is it's called family fun time. And we went into the homes, and one of the assignments we gave the families is that they needed to establish family fun time where they actually took a break from their grief. So we were not only giving them permission, but we were giving them a homework assignment so that they felt less guilty. And when we went back and said, what was the thing that you found the most helpful as far as the interventions that we did during our time with you? They said it was the family fun time because they realized, you know, that they could take a break from their grief and 
And hopefully they would do it more and more and more every single And week. sometimes it was just an ice cream cone or a walk around the block. We're not talking right. about some, you don't have to go to Disney World, you know. So if you can start out small, yeah, start out small, really small. Dale, talk about changing your oil. I like that for our audience out there. Well, the idea there is that you're going. We're all going to have stress, and in the context we're talking about, there, there, there could be a lot of stress. And once you have stress, the stress cycle is initiated. You have a whole set of stress hormones coursing through your veins. And uh, then you have to get rid of those. And the best way to get rid of those is, I call it changing the oil, but that's exercise or that's a hypermetabolic kind of strategy. And then there's a hypometabolic strategy, which means less metabolic, lower metabolic level, which would be like ex- uh, meditation or even just prayer and sitting and, and mindfulness meditation would be wonderful in that regard. And that gets some of the lactic acid out of your system and also some of these stress hormones, the catecholamines and everything that are really causing us problems. So you need to change the oil. The ideal thing is to change the situation. We can't always change the situation. Then we can change how we view it, which is another uh, stress management strategy. But then finally, if you can't make too much headway with either of those strategies, then a little bit further downstream, you have changing the oil or exercising. Exercise is one of the best ways to take care of yourself if you can do it. I know it's hard in New York City sometimes to get out there with the weather, but, you know, find a place to exercise. And and it's universally recognized in literature as a great stress antidote and as a cure also for depression because it gets your system moving and improves your self-esteem and all kinds of things. So and I always Dale, recommend even exercise. Even if it's only walking. I mean, you know, I... No, my feet are my feet. Don't are my say own only. Feet. No. This walking is, how I get is great. Home every day. Walk- so I mean after after work today I'll have to I'll walk home and it'll take me forty minutes. Just, and people they, they set goals that are so lofty. I'm like, go out and take a ten minute walk. That's if that's all you can do, that's better than nothing. And that in and of itself will change the way you feel. And did you know that a twenty minute walk every day will reduce your risk of stroke by fifty percent? That's amazing. It is a huge figure. Well, Dale, thank you so much for being on the show today. And such a great book, uh, The Helper's Journey. It, it's got a lot of great ideas in it. It's a wonderful book. And uh, tell people how they can get in touch with you. Are you on the Internet? How do they find you? Um, just You can just Google Dale Larson. The hospice homepage comes up pretty quickly. And then there's a lot of my, my work there. And a lot of, actually, a lot of materials, nothing for, for sale, just you can get all kinds of lectures and things. I just kind of put everything I do up there and someday I'll put it on a 20 gigabyte hard drive or a flash drive and put it in my coffin with me. I don't mean to be, <laughs> but you know, that's about what a life is, right? Is it's a, Maybe it'll be a 50 gigabyte or 60 gigabyte flash drive at that point. I don't know, but how, how, you know, but I'm, I'm joking, but you can find everything that I do pretty much, uh, through Googling my name. Uh, you know, I had my, one thing I wanted with my quote, I just, I never read a quote from my book, but you know, this was exactly what I was trying to say. I, I, I wrote in the book and I even had, to meet the challenge of caring, this is a quote I actually put up in my own office because I liked it. Okay. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh, I happen to write it, but it doesn't really matter. To meet the challenge of caring, you must find balance on your helping journey, balance between the demands you face and the resources you have to meet them between giving to your to others and giving to yourself. And I really uh, I really feel like that's the heart of the, the message what I wanted to convey today. So uh, Well, thank you so much. Best wishes to everybody. Yeah, thanks so much for being thank on the show you. today, Dale. 
Thank you. Heidi, wow, what a great guy, huh? He is. I love his message, and I love his book. And like you said, he's very genuine, and he's also very intelligent. So that's a a nice combination. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening to the show today, and tune again next week to get more help with grief relief. I'm your host, Dr. Goya Horsley, with my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, and God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.